Hello and welcome to Life Save Her, the podcast. This is a podcast for all of my women, men you can listen to, but for all of my women to come get a weekly dose of some self-care, some self-help, and tips to live the life that you desire. I'm your host, Brittany A. Johnson. I want to set this disclaimer. While I am a licensed mental health counselor and I am going to be talking about mental health and life-related topics, this is not a substitute for therapy. This is an addition, this is a bonus, this is that kind of added support so that you have what you need in and outside of session. If you need a therapist, I encourage you to reach out to different therapists in your area, or you may also email me to get a list of therapists that I may recommend. Stay tuned for today's episode. Welcome to today's episode. So today I want to talk about self-preservation but really want to talk about how many of us make choices that benefit us. And while there's good to that, how they actually impact those around us. And I really want to kind of spend a lot of time focusing on almost kind of the, I I don't want to say the negative side, but the side that we typically don't talk about as often, which is how it impacts those who are dependent on us for whatever reason. So what kind of got me thinking about this was having multiple conversations with people, of course, because I normally am am sparked and influenced or inspired by different conversations I have or different things that I just kind of see in my day-to-day life. But in particular, I was having a conversation with someone and we were laughing at me telling them that one of my guilty pleasures is to watch Paternity Court. And so as we were talking about the show and, you know, what we've, you know, episodes we've both seen and and clips that we've seen online, it really started me thinking about some of the common themes I see on there, which is this theme or this idea that um, moms are having babies with people. And instead of being honest upfront about who the father might be or who are the potential fathers, they start to lie or start to just omit, in a lot of cases, information. And then here we are fast forwarding 20, 30, sometimes 50 years later, And these children who are now adults are on the show trying to find out who their biological parent is because they've heard stories, they've heard rumors, rumblings, and all those different things. And so thinking about the pain of those people, because, you know, on the show, they don't always go into the detail about what's happened to the children or to those people who are adults now, but we're going to call them children in this situation. They don't always talk about kind of what's happened to them or what they've experienced, but as a therapist... I can see often or just know just from reading between the lines or just knowing in general about how certain things impact other people that they probably are feeling abandoned. They're probably feeling left out that many people are feeling as if they just don't even know where to begin or what to do. And so in thinking about that and talking about that, it made me start digging into and thinking even deeper into what makes people do that. What is it that's happening or not happening that makes us kind of go into this self-preservation or into this protecting our own? And then who are the own, right? And there's air quotes on this protecting their own because who are they? And so we can go in a million different directions with this conversation. But for right now, I just want to kind of talk about, again, just this idea that there are people who are entering relationships and, and I'm not going to put the blame on women. And I know I just made that statement that there's women who you know, have babies and they don't tell the truth about who the father is. But what I've also seen a lot of is 
women are having relationships with people and the men are encouraging or forcing or influencing heavily to make sure that the women don't tell what's happening or don't tell who they are. And then again, it results in sometimes this child being born and not knowing who they belong to. And one thing about us as humans, no matter how hardcore you are in terms of your needing or not needing the people, one thing will always be true is that we all want to belong. We want to belong to something. And as a therapist who used to do in-home therapy with kids who were removed from their homes or about to be removed or, you know, doing what we call reunification, I know firsthand from watching and doing therapy with these individuals that every child, no matter the situation, no matter how good or bad their foster home was or their adoptive home was, as soon as they are able to go look for their biological family, they do. And the first thing that they want to happen or the one thing that they want to happen is they want to know who they belong to. They want to know where they come from. They want to have this sense of being connected and, in, 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 you know, in their family. Because for most people who, you know, are in those situations, they often report that they feel like they just never really knew where to fit in. They, you know, yes, they had love from their adoptive or foster parents. They had love from the extended family that they were able to get, but they still just kind of have this sense of being alone. And so in knowing that, they all go and look for their bio families immediately. And in some of the beautiful stories, right, it all works out and everybody is like, yes, I miss you too. And then, it, you know, it goes great. There are some situations where that doesn't happen, but that's not kind of the point of, of today's episode. We're just really kind of talking about, you know, this category of, of people when they don't necessarily tell the truth and how it results and how it leaves, you know, other people feeling in, in the wake of it. I can also think about this when I worked with juvenile justice and we would have families and, and this isn't just, you know, with juvenile justice. This is kind of any crime case, murder case, any of those shows or podcasts you listen to. There's always someone who knew what was going on or, or knew the truth, but they would not say it out of the desire to quote unquote protect themselves or protect someone else and so when you when I'm adding all these kind of things together and I'm thinking about what is that about why is it that people are choosing self over all things it just made me kind of go back to again that basic survival and that no matter how much of a community person you say that you are no matter how much you are family oriented or grew up in a family your first your first goal your first right your first thought is going to be to protect yourself it's just kind of what always happens. And so what else does that kind of do to us? What does that do to the people around us? Because sometimes when we choose self, that means we have to leave other people out to the wolves, so to speak, or leave other people in a space where they're not protected. And so I thought about that again when I thought about those episodes on paternity court or just hearing people go through that. I thought about that when I think about the victims of certain crimes um, and we see this every day with kind of the no snitching rules and things like that. That's a whole other topic that we could get into in another time. But you see it even with that. Like when you look at the victim's family or when you look at the person who, again, was kind of left behind or is, or is kind of getting the fallout of your decision, who's thinking about them? What is it doing for them? Who's there for them? At the moment, it's clear that, you know, people aren't thinking about, you know, the, the potential fallout for others. They're really just kind of thinking about themselves and thinking about, again, that, that self-preservation, that looking out for self first. But as a therapist, I typically am, am in the bucket or in the spot of the person who catches the fallout, right? I'm in the bucket or in the spot of the person who's helping 
whoever's on the receiving end of those decisions. And sometimes, let me just be honest, sometimes it is not pretty. Sometimes it is not easy. Sometimes it is so difficult that people will result and, and turn to all types of things just to kind of get a need met or just to avoid, just to forget. And it leaves lasting marks. I have said numerous times in different settings. And so here, I'm going to say it here for us to kind of know for you all to be kind of in my space with me. I've said before that in my opinion, emotional neglect is by far one of the hardest things to overcome as a trauma survivor. And as a trauma therapist, I say that because if someone physically assaults you or sexually assaults you, those things are horrible and again, should never happen to anyone. But those things you can start to heal from and make sense of and be able to kind of put into a box of this person did this to me because something was wrong with them. It has nothing to do with me as who I am, who I'm not. It is solely on the person who, who committed the crime or the act against me. But when it comes to that emotional neglect, it is so hard to even build trust because the very person that was supposed to teach you about trust or supposed to help you with trust is the one who has kind of turned on you in a sense or the one who kind of broke the bond and broke the trust that you just don't even know where to begin. And so it's hard for people to overcome that because they've almost never had a foundation before. And again, not to compare one trauma being worse than the other. I'm just looking in terms of of healing and in terms of having life outside of the situation when the situation's done and over. It, it is by far, I've seen it be more difficult to recover or to create a new life after emotional neglect because you don't necessarily, typically you don't have a sense of foundation to begin with. And so looking at what is it about us and our decisions and what can what should we be doing different? Because self-preservation is always going to be there. And in many cases and in many situations, we need that. We need to have the ability to protect ourselves amongst all else. But when I start thinking about being a parent and I start thinking about being a wife and being a friend and a sister, I really started to look at and I am still looking at how much should I be considering other people who depend on me? And what about people who don't depend on me? And so kind of where I've landed in a sense is that the people who depend on me, I need to have them in the forefront. It doesn't mean that I'm going to always put them first and not make my not make decisions that benefit me initially because there is some truth to when a, when your cup is full and overflowing, everybody around you benefits. There is truth to that, hands down. We'll never doubt that. But I do know that when someone is dependent on you, especially when they can't depend on anyone else, right? So they're not of age to do it on their own. They don't have the skill to do it on their own. It is important to start thinking about how can I include them in my decision making? How should I include them in my decision making? And I'm interested and curious to know what you all think about that as well. Like what is what are your thoughts around how to include someone, someone who depends on you? How do you include them in your decision making? I used to be a person that said, especially when I had my first child, because many of you all know I had my first son when I was young, well, what I consider young. As I'm getting older and I'm meeting and hearing more people who had children even younger than I did, I know that I am starting to be considered in more the average age. But for me, it was still young. I was unmarried. I was, I was not finished with college. In fact, I was just starting college. And so I know that for many, many years, I would make the statement that everything I'm doing is to benefit my son. And what I had to finally sit with one day was that wasn't 100% true. 
some of the stuff I was doing was to benefit me. And I was saying it was benefiting him because ultimately it would. But in a lot of ways, it was for me to be able to prove to myself that I could do it or me to prove to people who I thought I needed to prove things to. It was for it was for them, too. It was for me to get this kind of pat on the back of, yep, you did it. Yep, nothing stopped you. Nothing got in your way. But as I started healing from that and I started really digging in and looking at that, I was able to start letting that go and able to start accepting and acknowledging that the majority of the decisions that I made were for me. Yes, my son benefited from it. And as I, you know, he got older and as I, you know, married his father and we had other additional children, it started to benefit everybody. But in a, but I have to be honest that most of it was decisions that I wanted to make for myself. And therefore, again, they benefited. But there have also been some situations and times where I've been able to look back and say, you know what? I made that decision because it was what I thought was best for me. But the fallout of that decision, because we know we learned this in what, when we were kindergarten, that every reaction has a, a consequence or whatever the saying is. You all know what I'm talking about. But I did have to look at that there was somewhere where I thought I was making a good decision for us. Ultimately, my children didn't get the same feeling. My husband didn't get the same feeling. And in fact, there were times I made decisions that I thought were best for us and I kind of left them. And so we, in my house, we are pretty honest and open about, you know, things that we're feeling, things that we're thinking. We keep it respectful. No one gets to be disrespectful. But I do allow my kids to kind of tell me how they're feeling and things that, that have, you know, made them feel a certain way. And so we've been, we've been able to talk about that. But that wasn't always my experience. And I can remember even thinking about as a kid, kind of looking and watching people make decisions and being able to be like, mm, that doesn't seem right. But I didn't know what to do with that information because, again, I was a kid and I came up in an era where kids didn't necessarily vocalize their thoughts and their opinions and their beliefs because it really wasn't a welcoming space for it. I don't think it's because my family wanted to be abusive or my family was, you know, was dysfunctional. I really do think it was because they just didn't have time to think about and understand that kids can have an opinion and not be disrespectful. I, again, I don't think it was malicious, but it happened. But it made me start looking at it and thinking about it. even as a kid, I could see situations where people were making decisions that really only benefited them. And I know that there was this one time I had a conversation and I want to say it was with my mom, but it might not have been, but we're just going to go with it. I had a conversation with someone once and they made this statement to me that has stuck with me. And the statement was many women and men will attach to a partner, whether they're good or bad for their kids or not, because they know that one day their kids are going to leave and they still want this companionship. And that has stuck with me since I heard that. And I was probably a teenager. And as I continue to think about it ever so often throughout the years, it really started to make me think about and be sad for women and men who are in situations where they feel like they have to just stick with this person, even though the fallout of the relationship is causing chaos in their home, it's causing damage to other relationships. I was really sad that they felt like that they couldn't get out of that or that that's all they deserve because one day they were going to not have their children and they didn't want to be alone. Can you imagine how sad that that is to be in a space to think about, I have to stay in a situation that I know is not good simply because I don't want to be alone in 10 years. 
and just the thought of that again has me sad even in this moment so i can only imagine that people are in that space if you're in that space this is no judgment to you this is just a feeling that i have about that it's sad that you know you are having to make a decision like that to stay in something that's not comfortable if you're ready to get out of that or you need help getting support with that i definitely encourage you to reach out to a therapist in your area or even find a group to join. And, you know, we I've talked about here on Lifesaver before that we're starting to build this community. Come join the Lifesaver community and, and learn how you can make better decisions for yourself, whether that means you leave that relationship or not. Just at least being able to be in a space where you can say, I'm here because I want to be. I'm not here because I have to be. Because that mindset tends to blend over in other areas. And so... I know and I have seen and I'm very observant. I've realized that over the last few years that I have spent more time sitting back and listening to people and listening to their experiences as I have kind of talking and being in the forefront. And so that has kind of afforded me to start to see things in a different light. And one of the things that I've noticed is that people who tend to kind of be in that bucket of, you know, not wanting to be alone or not wanting to ruffle too many feathers, that it shows up in their businesses too. It shows up in the way that they either share information or don't share information. And we can go into a whole discussion about is that scarcity or not. And some of it probably is. Some of it probably is about being vulnerable. But what I've noticed, too, is that it's it really goes into kind of this idea of I need to protect self. I don't want someone to steal my idea. And we've seen those memes. We've seen people do countless think pieces and videos about even if someone steals your ideas, they can't execute it how you will. So just keep pushing forward. And there's truth in that, but there's also, and I think we need to make sure that we spend some time honoring and respecting people who really do struggle with that. Because if you grew up in a situation where you were not allowed to speak, or you grew up in a situation where you saw people making decisions to benefit them over you, and it was causing negative reactions for you, it's going to be hard to just let go of the idea that someone's not stealing from you in an attempt to hurt you. And so... Definitely just looking at and, and being mindful of how looking at how people help or don't help. There are some people who overly help, right? Like I will be honest and I have said this to people close to me. I've said this in other forms that I spent a lot of time being the person to give away everything I had. Because again, part of me wanted to prove that I knew it. Part of me wanted to prove that I was somehow worthy. But there also was this idea that if I went ahead and gave it, then my heart and my feelings wouldn't be hurt if someone, quote unquote, stole it from me or, quote unquote, did the idea that I had. I know now that that is not the way to do it. And I have, am proud to announce that I no longer do those things and that if I'm sharing information with someone, it's because I genuinely want to share it. And I just know that there's a genuine connection there. And there's nothing coming from it, nothing going into it. But just wanted to kind of share that those things do happen. And then, you know, as we start coming to a close, really looking at what are the ways that we need to have empathy, right? Like, what are the ways that we need to increase our understanding, which is what empathy is in a sense. Increase our understanding of how people get to where they are. And then also, what do we need to do for ourselves to continue to move in a direction where we are thinking about ourselves, but we're also keeping in mind the people who may be dependent on us. Let me know your thoughts in the comments or in the Facebook group or wherever you find me on social media. Until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found the episode insightful and helpful to you on your journey. 
As you all know, podcasts are rated by the number of subscribers and the ratings that they receive. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this at and also leave a rating and a comment. I welcome all comments. Also, make sure you head over to the different social medias, Instagram at Brittany A. Johnson LMHC, Facebook at Brittany A. Johnson, and even on LinkedIn at Brittany A. Johnson LMHC, and follow so you can stay connected to what's going on. Talk to you soon.